Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and so glad you're joining me today. If you're just tuning in for the first time, the last four days of this week have been on actually helping the ones we love and how we really help, really come alongside, and love those who are struggling with mental illnesses terminal illnesses, these types of things, these very difficult, enduring issues that don't just go away in in a week or a month. And so we left off talking about this idea of where is God when there is a mental health issue? And so I want to make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com because it does have all four of these shows of this week and all the previous weeks as well so that you can also share them with others and you can listen to them if you can't hear them in in their entirety. So this idea of where is God when there is a mental health issue, and we, we showed four different stories, the prodigal, the demonized boy, Lazarus, and the Good Samaritan. And, and so I want to make sure that you also understand that we are not saying that mental health is demon possession. We are using these stories as how Jesus intervened in the needs of families and families that were struggling with a loved one that was diseased and was and was infirmed or or crippled or whatever that may be. So we also see this this idea when when we are looking at families how important families are to God and what the family is learning in this process. So Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, this is the New Living Translation. It says, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And think about the story of Lazarus. They really thought Jesus had abandoned them because Jesus waited. He waited. He knew the process this community needed to go through to learn to be a good community. And he revealed so many character issues in all the players of that story. And if you um, are interested in that, I do a very long um, explanation of each character, all the way from the crowds to the people closest, to the people farthest, to the primary characters in the book, God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And I go through this whole story of Lazarus because this, uh, the, that whole book, God Wants You Truly Living, is all about what has to die in order for me to live. And so many times, illnesses, mental health issues, how the family experiences this, brings out these things in us that purify us. And none of us want to be purified, I'm telling you. I don't like the purification process. <laughs> I wish it felt like, you know, some, some great sauna or, you know, like jacuzzi experience. No, it is, it is painful. 
And so this Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong, courageous, do not be afraid, do not panic. Do not panic. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And this is where our relationship with God gets a little sticky because what we think failing and abandoning, what we think that is, is very different from God's perspective. And we see that with Mary and Martha. They really felt like Jesus failed them and abandoned them, and they were panicking. And so Deuteronomy further, in 31 verse 8, it says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And I'm sure that, that whatever age you are at, you know, the older that we get, the more I look back on my life and I see God in so many ways in retrospect that I didn't see him with me while I was going through something. And so these are trust issues. We have to trust the one who died for us. And know that the one that died for us died for the ones we love as well, even for the ones we don't love, right? So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, this is the New Living Translation. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. And nobody knows a burden like the burden we carry when someone we love is struggling and we feel helpless. So Jesus says, hey, come to me. All who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Because we need rest to continue to carry whatever burden God has given to us, right? So I want you to understand that mental illness does not define or determine worth or value. It's not a punishment. And so God honors weaknesses and he values honesty. And so this is where this important issue, it's scary to face that we have someone that has a mental health issue or disorder. It's hard for the person that has it to say it. So the more I see the need for God, the more I see his love for me. When we truly admit that we need God and that we can't do life without his help, we start to feel the, uh, the opportunity to have a tremendous wave of his love and to understand for the first time just how far God goes to help us. And so, again, we talked about this. Wrestling with God doesn't mean that we don't have faith. If I had the power to control all areas of my life, I would avoid anything unpleasant or uncomfortable. But I would never see God's power to overcome evil and shine light in darkness. If I had never suffered, and I have suffered in my life, definitely, I would never have seen any reason to grow or change. If I didn't have hard times, I wouldn't have the chance to exercise my faith and grow in hope. And the most beautiful thing that we're going to see on the other side of heaven is how angry the enemy is because of how much overcoming we have done. And always remember, battles are never pretty. 
They're never pretty. But the winning, the coming out on the other side, a different, a better, a changed person, that is beautiful. So what do we as caregivers learn as we go through this process of caregiving? So that's where we look at what is this process revealing about me? Do I have self-righteousness? Am I too easily offended? Do I need to practice more forgiveness? Am I judgmental? Because I think, because I don't have any of these problems, I don't understand why somebody else does. Am I feeling like they're doing it to me? Do I have to learn boundaries? So how does this diagnosis this person has, how does that affect me personally? So one of the things that could be standing in my way is not accepting my loved one's diagnosis because of what it means to me, how it's going to affect my life, how it might affect my faith. And so mental health issues, any type of diagnosis, any type of suffering is going to reveal character in the person that's struggling. But it also is going to reveal character in the people around the person. So we either go through a process because we have a disorder, and that's how God is refining us, or God is refining us because someone we love is struggling with a disorder. So we need to keep this in mind. Being a caregiver really requires a lot of patience. Because the timetable for recovery is different for everyone, and the definition of recovery needs to be very flexible and fluid. And it's often overwhelming to be a caregiver, right? And discouraging. It's an endurance. It's, it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. So if you as a parent, if you as a loved one, you're feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, frightened, this is normal, this is natural, this is an overwhelming and scary and tiring experience. So we need to really be getting support from other family members that are going through the same ordeal or other families that are going through it. So I really recommend that you contact your local mental health group for family support groups because there are some very good ones that are happening. And knowing that you're not alone in the journey is, can be, can be life-saving. And you may find that you're more on track than you realize and that you're more normal than you realize. Because what we want to do is think about if this is a family member other than a spouse and we don't manage it well, that's one of the ways that the enemy breaks up families and breaks up marriages. So God might be saying, hey, you will need help to help a loved one that doesn't want help just as much as needing help with a loved one who does want help. And then what do we learn about this, care, this process of caregiving? That we need to take care of ourselves. Think of it like this. And I've said this to so many people that struggle with codependency when it comes to people in their lives that are struggling with a mental illness. It's, you know, if I don't take care of my car, right, then how does that affect all the people in my life? See, if, if when I take care of my car, I don't have to think about it. 
So if I'm taking really good care of me, I don't have to think about me. But if I don't take care of my car, then what happens? I don't make it to work on time. It costs more money. I have to borrow other people's cars. I have to wait for rides. I'm not as dependable. I'm going to be angry, irritated, and annoyed. So it's imperative if we are caregiving someone, and even if we're not, seriously, right? It's imperative that we care for ourselves. So one of the biggest boundaries is this. I am no good to anybody if I don't take care of my own life. Laying my life down might actually mean taking really good care of myself because it's so much easier to take care of other people. Seriously, I, I do this for a living. I love taking care of other people. I really don't necessarily always like taking care of myself. And so think about this. The hardest thing is to take care of ourselves. The easiest thing is to keep trying to do their life for them so I like my life better because your life is messed up so it's messing up my life. The prodigal son's father welcomed him back because he had something to give him. He had protected himself. So he had still a kingdom that this prodigal could come home to. So with mental health illnesses especially, we want to pace ourselves. And we want to be continuously open and pursuing help for them, help for ourselves. And so you need to decide the boundaries. What You need to decide the right thing, the right level of caring. How much time, how much money, how much effort that you put into it. And one of the ways that you will always know is this whole idea about the burden becoming heavy, the becoming weary and well-doing, it affecting your faith, it affecting how you feel about you. That generally means I'm exceeding capacity. So the enemy wants us to lose our faith. This is what we want to protect over, uh, over all things. This is the one thing we want to protect the most. And this is 2 Corinthians verse 1 through, through 5. And it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we also comfort others, and that abounds through Christ. So for as the sufferings of Christ abound for us, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So we want to make sure that our faith is the thing we are protecting the most. Our relationship with God we are protecting the most because that's the enduring quality of being actually able to help someone you love. So Philippians 1.6 says, God is completing his good work in me. He's doing a good work in me and as I am willing to be a good neighbor. Really, truly, who is the person that, that we revere the most in the story of the Good Samaritan? Well, it was not the Jewish Pharisees or the, or the scholar. It was the Good Samaritan. So again, what does this process reveal about me? And how does this diagnosis affect me personally? Because the enemy wants me to burn out. So it's imperative that I learn to trust in God. 
And so uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 20 through 24, this is what Jesus said. What a generation. No sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? And he says, this is about the demonized boy. He says, bring the boy here. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. And he asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? And he said, ever since he was a little boy. Many times it pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. It can do anything. Have a heart and help us. He said, if you have a heart, help us. And Jesus said, if? There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. And no sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe. Help me with my doubt. So isn't that strange that we can believe and doubt at the same time? Because remember, this is a relational issue with us, with Jesus and God. Why does Jesus, why does God wait? Why does God do this in someone else's life and he's not doing it in the life of my loved one? Why can God move heaven and earth over here and he's not doing, seemingly not doing anything for me over here? And so this is where the father said, oh my then I do believe, but help me with my doubts. My doubts that are happening on an ongoing and moment-by-moment basis when I have an overall belief in God. So this is where we go, you know, it isn't an all-or-nothing thing. It's understanding that Jesus knows that we are just human and that we struggle and that we need help. So what do we learn from this, this uh, Mark chapter 9? The first thing, we never quit praying, we never quit hoping. The Father never quit praying, never quit hoping, never quit asking. And we accept God's will. But we always believe that God can do anything. That's important. We accept in the moment and believe God can do anything. And then we do not grow weary in well-doing. That's the Galatians 6, 9 through 10. We come to him with our doubts. He's the God of all comfort. Healing comes from heaven. And we're still asking for what we need. So the healing of the person truly comes from heaven. But we need to still ask for what we need. That's the insurance, medication, better doctor, finances, favor, patience, whatever that is. We need to, we need to ask for the concrete things and know that above all else, healing only comes from heaven. Humans don't heal people. What heals people through humans is the love of God. God, through us, in relationship, heals his world. And again, we need to remember, people with mental illnesses should not be demon considered demon-possessed, nor compared to demon possession. They didn't ask for this condition. Now, there may be lots of spiritual warfare, and they may be very oppressed by the enemy, but we are not going back to those archaic times. Who knows what, the, what was going on with this little boy physically that allowed a demon to demonize him in those ways. That did not mean that we are looking at, in today's world, every mental health issue as being demon-possessed. Now, I'm not saying that demon possession does not occur, but we want to be very careful that we don't fall into that kind of judgment. So, However mental illness is, makes an individual more susceptible to lies, condemnation, and oppression. Because their mind gets very weary. It's mentally exhausting 
to have a mental illness. It's one thing to have a heart condition and be exhausted or to struggle with diabetes or have a chronic uh, or terminal disease, fibromyalgia or struggling with cancer. See, these are more concrete in some ways. Mental illnesses, it's not concrete. And so some days you have good days, some days you have really bad days, and you're not sure why from one given moment to the next. So let's go back to first, uh, 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Because this is one of the most really all-encompassing verses that we can use. This is out of the New Living Translation. And it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. He does not abandon us, and he does not want us weary in well-doing. So this is very important. There are lots of support. There's lots of resources. And so we want to look at healthcare providers. We want to look into treatment centers. We want to think about all the different therapists I have some great referrals for therapists. You can always contact me through the website. We want to take advantage of physicians. 12-step programs are exceedingly helpful. Also, there's great, great support groups for family members. There's all different kinds. There's PALS, which is um, really for for, um, parents that have kids that are drug-addicted on the streets or they can't find them, they don't know where they are, and they are resistant resistant to healing. And so we have, we have all the 12-step programs. We have Codependence Anonymous, churches, chiropractors, friends, psychiatrists, nurses, pastors. Lots of help for us that we want to take advantage of. And this is where you ask for God's wisdom. Because sometimes it takes, it's trial and error to find the group, to find the right person. And I know that can be really, really exhausting. And so some of the book resources that are very helpful, uh, Facing Codependency, this is by P, uh, Pia Melody, Codependent No More, The Language of Letting Go by uh, Melody Beatty is a great book. Uh, Dr. Townsend and Cloud does a great book on boundaries, Stop Walking on Eggshells, very helpful. Foolproofing Your Life by Jan Sylvia. She is uh, one of Kay Arthur's best friends. Excellent book. We have Defying Mental Illness. That's a great book. Family Guide to Mental Health Care is excellent. When Someone You Love has a, has a Mental Illness, that is a very, very good book. And, and another one that this uh, particular author, this is Ademic, he wrote, I am not sick, I don't need help. And so there are several, several resources, and I'm going to uh, make sure that my assistant posts uh, this book resource for you so that you can certainly take advantage of that. I want you to have a great weekend. Make sure you check out the website again at CynthiaHyatt.com, all the social media that is helpful and encouraging and motivating. You can always contact me through the website for more um, help and resources, answering questions. And I just pray that you are comforted today 
and that God gives you the strength and the power to walk in His will and His grace. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you on Monday as we talk about addictions. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.